Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I am your host, Josh Lindsay, from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey there, Josh. Hi, Christian. And before I forget, we can't do it without him, the one and only, trusty dusty, research extraordinaire, button-pushing guy, Jason Rugg. Hey there. Hey, Jason. Hey, Jason. Nice to be remembered. <laughs> this time. <laughs> And we have a special guest, screenwriter, TBD screenwriter. I'll explain that in a minute. But TBD screenwriter, the awesome Zach Callahan. Zach, thanks for being with us today. Yeah, great to be here. So we'll talk about screenwriting, writing in general, TBD, and so on in a minute. But first, Christian, what updates do you have for us on either The Girl Who War Freedom or The Brave Dutch? Yeah, so uh, we sort of have exciting film festival news this week. We were nominated by the Red Rose Film Festival in Lancaster, Pennsylvania for the People's Choice Award and for the Best Documentary Award. So we're honored uh, to be nominated there. Uh, we also were an official selection for the Mentone Film Festival. Uh, that was kind of cool because we didn't even submit to that film festival. We just uh, existed. Somehow they found us and they asked us if we could be part of their um, film festival. Um, they wanted to show our film as a Veterans Day, um, you know, sort of event for their audience members. So that was super cool. Uh, the only other thing we have coming up is we've got the Lori Owl event. So by the time this podcast airs, um, it will be next Wednesday. The event is next Thursday. Um, I was, I'm really happy because David Chapman's gonna be part of that Q and A with me. Uh, he was one in our film and a big reason that our film even happened. Uh, he was the senior military attache to the US embassy in Paris when we were trying to film uh, you know, I, people may not know this, but we were introduced because my son took his best friend's daughter to homecoming and uh, he heard I was doing a film in France and I, he's like, well, you know, maybe my friend David Chapman might be able to help you. And I said, well, what does he do? He says, well, he works at the U.S. Embassy in Paris. And I was like, maybe he can help me. We should have him on the podcast sometime. He'd be awesome. Um, he then it turns out his office and him in, you know, specific were responsible for the D-Day ceremonies for the Americans participation there. So it was a perfect fit. So he's going to be a part of that Q and a flow planner was it well as well until they made it too late in the United States. And so it would have been like midnight in France for flow to participate. Uh, so I think Jeff Kurtenacker is going to be part of that Q and a. So we're super excited because this is L'Oreal New York city and L'Oreal Paris coming together to do a veterans day event for uh, their company and they're going to show our film live and then afterwards we'll do the q a so um, super excited about that another great thing that happened this week i met with our cinematographer corey lillard um, corey lillard's never been on our podcast um, really i haven't seen him hardly at all since he originally shot the girl who wore freedom so it was great to catch up with him uh, and he might be getting some space in his life to be able to come on and talk about cinematography so I was happy about that. Um, next week, by the time this airs, um, Virgil Films will be pitching The Girl Who Wore Freedom for sale um, with Netflix. So we're super happy about that, saying our prayers. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then this week, 
Um, we had several people who had to step back from working with the girl who wore freedom. And we also had somebody step up. So Zach Callahan has decided to kind of step in with a little bit more of a managerial assistant role. Uh, but he also is our strongest writer on the Brave Dutch. He and I have been writing the outlines together, the pitch deck together. And I thought it was high time everybody got to know Zach and learned about his process as a screenwriter, how he ended up here. So we're happy to have you, Zach. Yeah, happy to be here. So, Zach, uh, you you have a background in screenwriting and writing. Is that right? Yeah, well, so I graduated from Auburn University uh, winter of 2019. Um, and so in school, I graduated with a degree in media studies uh, with a focus on screenwriting was my focus of my degree. Um, and so, yeah, so that's what I wanted to do once I got to school. That's what I decided I wanted to do. Um, got out. I've been writing scripts on my own and then wanting to get an opportunity to really, you know, write at a professional level and Christian's giving me that opportunity now. So it's been exciting. So we have this discussion when we have guests on the podcast who are part of the, the team, uh, you know, that Christian found. And the phrase we usually use is roped in. And we'd like to know, how did you get roped into this? What, what did Christian say? <laughs> no, seriously, how, what, what got you interested and being a part of this project. Yeah, so um, a friend of mine uh, was running the Twitter uh, for the girl who wore freedom, and he was a part of the social media team, Charles Morn. And so he actually came to stay with me one weekend and was like, hey, by the way, like I'm working um, and for this documentary. Is this, I know like you have an interest in film. Is this something you would be interested in? I'm sure I can make a connection. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm sitting here unemployed. I love, I love that opportunity. Uh, and so I met with Christian. She kind of explained the girl who wore freedom. It was in post-production at the time. And they were really just, you know, trying to make videos for social media and stuff like that. So I just helped in small ways. And slowly over the last few months, my role has grown and grown and grown. So was your intention to work in documentary or was it more narrative? I, you know, I, I always like to drop that I went to film school for a year, so I'm going to do that again. Uh, when I was there, I went in because I, I wanted to make narrative type films. But when it came to a film project, I wasn't a very good writer. And I thought, well, documentary is easier because the story is already there. You just got to film it. It's easy, right? Now, I have since learned that is not the case. Uh, but what was your interest? Was it documentary? Was it narrative? So it, it was narrative and I still do have an interest in narrative. The stuff I, you know, write on my own and stuff is, is usually narrative. But the funny thing is, is that for my, you know, when you go to school, you have like a final project that you have to do where you team up with other people uh, in your classes and stuff like that. And so for mine, I had filmed other narrative things before and I just found that, oh, it was so hard to find good amateur actors. It was such a struggle. And everything I did, I just felt like, the acting always just kind of, it, I never got what I wanted and it really bothered me. And so for my final project, I <clears throat> knew a local artist in the area and I really, he made these incredible wood signs and I thought they were fascinating and every, it's in Opelika, which is the town next to Auburn, and every one of these signs was on every restaurant and every building. And I just was like, oh, this is so cool. I had a kind of a relationship with him. And so I just decided, like I brought this idea up and so we decided to do a documentary on that. 
Um, and I wrote it and I directed it. And then I had um, another person that produced it and then an editor on it. And we made it and I really enjoyed the experience. And it was really the only like film that I'd made that I felt comfortable like showing people I was proud of. And so it kind of came along. And then when this was a documentary, we'd go for freedom of the documentary. I was like, well, I really had a good experience on this one I made. Like, let's, let's see. And so when I talked to Christian, I kind of explained my process. I sent it to her and then I kind of explained the process that I went through um, with that and how I really enjoyed it. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of how I got into this aspect of documentaries. So what, what's your approach? You know, now that you're working on TBD, the Brave Dutch, or to be determined, right? Uh, uh, the Brave Dutch, what's your approach in, in writing? Like, do you just, I don't even know where you begin. How do you know where to begin? Yeah, so I started off with Christian sent me the document that John wrote. Um, and so there's already been a little bit of material. Obviously, he wrote this document that's about 50 pages long. That's just an exact, his thoughts of, and his recount of exactly what happened. And so I have this, I have his grandson did a podcast um, that I've listened to a number of times. And then he also wrote a screenplay of it that I've been able to read as well. So I've had those documents and that's kind of been like my base layer to build off of. Um, and there's, I mean, there's really a lot of great information in there and there, the story's there. It's kind of just figuring out how we want to tell it, especially because we, we want to do it in an episodic format. And so how we can expand the story, expand John's story, and then also research, 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 and trying to figure out, well, we know John's side, what's the Dutch side? How can we figure out their perspective of things? And kind of breaking all that down, these are the key elements we want to start here and end here. Well, how do we fill all this in? And that's kind of the process I started with. So we have, I don't know if you know Jeff Kurtnacker, he's the composer for the Girl War Freedom. And correct, yeah. he's also doing the Brave Dutch, correct? Yes, he is. Yeah. So Christian talks about how she and Jeff had to learn to communicate because it's different communicating with a composer, someone who's writing music. You just can't say, I don't like that, make it better. <laughs> you, know, you have to learn how to effectively communicate. How... Does a good director, would you say, in your experience, communicate with a screenwriter? Because they can't just say, this is garbage, redo it, right? You know, you got to, <laughs> what, what, what do you, what, like, if, like, let's pretend you were giving some tips to a director on how to communicate to a screenwriter. What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I, I think Chris and I have had a good back and forth so far. Um, I feel like sometimes the way I see things are a little bit more how do I want to say? I, 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 I've written a lot of like dialogue focused stuff in the past. And so with this, it's very, we have to tell everything from the story and emotion because, you know, it'll be a lot of like interviews and stuff like that. We don't know exactly what people are going to say. And so Christian, had, especially with working on The Girl Who War Freedom, she has a great understanding of where the emotion needs to be and how to capture the people's emotions. That's something that I don't have a great grasp on yet. And she's really been like, hey, right here, I love everything you did, but right here, we need to capture this feeling. We need to let the audience know exactly how they should be feeling here. Um, and so, you know, we go back and forth on that and I say, okay, well, let me try this. And I send it to her and she goes, oh, that, that one's great, but what about on this one if we try this? And we just kind of go back and forth. I give her different options and she, we narrow it down and then we get something that we both like. You, you, you brought up a good point. 
the Brave Dutch isn't even filmed yet. There, there's Correct. stuff that could be revealed that is not on anyone's radar. 100%. So how do you write a film that you only know part of the story? Oh, Christian, Christian, would you raise your hand? I'm going to call on Christian. Hold, hold your thoughts. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so it's interesting because we actually had a team meeting with our line producer this week, Kate Hurley, Bill Ebel, Michelle Coupe, and Kate has typically worked in the advertising world or in some narrative world. And when you first read John Lau's document or you listen to the podcast, it really comes across as a narrative and it would be an incredible narrative film. And, but, you know, we're doing a docu-series. So, you know, I know what that's going to look like. It's in my head, but she was coming to the table not, you know, wanting to storyboard everything and wondering how this was all going to be written and wanted to bring a bunch of writers in. And um, there's some good feedback there. But in but at first, she was really seeing it through the lens of a narrative script. And Bill, you know, when I said, well, you know, ultimately, I think it's going to initially be written by Zach, Bill and I, because, um, you know, it's all in my head and it comes out through the process. So a documentary, you have to have a beginning idea of what you wanna do, and you wanna go forward with that idea. Um, and so because of that, I've been able to say to Zach, okay, Zach, here's the original document that John wrote. Here's what the Dutchman Art Cleese wrote. Here are all these other characters that we've learned about. How can we put these episodes together? That was the first challenge that I gave him. A, we had to write an outline. Then B, we had to come up with the episodes because we are going to be pitching this next week. So we have to give them some idea of the story that we want to tell. And Zach did a fabulous job. One of the things that was so strong in his presentation to me was his were his titles. And so all of his titles, he put a lot of thought into those and they were super intriguing um, and then he um, wrote, you know, the little descriptions of each episode as to what they will be. Now, when you read it, it also comes across in a narrative way. But we explained that, you know, we are going to be interviewing, um, you know, survivors or um, Dutch underground workers or their families or museum workers, tour guides, things like that. And in those interviews really is where our story will be discovered. So we're thinking about the reenactments that we want to do, because that's going to be part of this, just like the girl who wore freedom. And the reenactments are going to be more scripted and probably storyboarded, but they're MOS, they're mise-en-scene. They don't have words. And so Zach doesn't have to write those, but he is going to be thinking about, um, you know, the action, what we want to see. And then ultimately, when we do our interviews with um, with all these different people, that those interviews will determine what the story will be. Because you can only tell a story that you have material for. So if I wanna tell something about John Lyle, but I don't have any photos, videos, and no interviews to talk about what it is, I am probably gonna have to cut that part out, right? So, and then, somebody may tell us something that we've never thought about or known about, and we're going to have to investigate that alley. But here's the other layer. What if we interview those people and the interviews are terrible and we can't really use those? Um, or what if we interview someone that we just didn't expect would be great and that person is great and compelling? 
So in the edit, this is why I gave Bill Ebel an editing credit on the girl who wore freedom, and he'll probably get one on the Brave Dutch as well, because it's really like this huge, gigantic puzzle that you have to look at all the pieces, and then you have to put them together in a you know cohesive format. And at that point, then you're able to actually write probably what the narrator would say, or you know you can order the episodes, and and Zach's work will come in. Uh, in a much different way once we have a better idea of the story. Does that answer your question? I think so. And it, but it, it brings another question. In The Girl of War Freedom, it opened with narration. There's some narration throughout. And at the end, uh, do you expect there'll be narration in The Brave Dutch? There will have to be some. And the question is, how is that going to be? Sometimes the narration comes out um, through the talking heads. And so it's not... You know, in my, in the Girl Who Wore Freedom, it was more a personal experience, personal point of view. Um, I don't know if it's going to be that yet, but if you think of Ken Burns documentaries, Ken Burns, um, you know, will always have a narrator like Peter Coyote or whoever, who sort of is telling the story, lead you into, you know, the, you know, characters in the story or through the pictures or the videos or whatever. That is yet to be determined. I don't know how we're going to do that yet. Um, so time will tell. But if there is that kind of narration, it's going to have to be written. So where do you go from here? And maybe Christian, you can start and Zach, you can add to it. But again, we're just working on outlines. Uh, it hasn't been filmed yet. So how much time is spent on screenwriting right now? Yeah, well, um, it's interesting. When Zach came to the story, I was curious to see what would happen. So he initially came to us. He said he wanted to write. I wasn't quite sure how to use him with The Girl Who Wore Freedom because we were done with the writing portion. I also wanted to learn what his skill set was. And so I gave him assignments like working on our newsletter. He did a little bit of editing. Um, a, I wanted to see if the rapport was there. B, I wanted to see what his skill level was. And then I wanted to gauge his interest because if somebody's not really passionate about the subject matter, then they'll not really be passionate about learning what they don't know and they're not curious enough to discover the story. So, um, you know, I knew he was really interested in narrative screenwriting and he really didn't know anything about the Dutch, but he does like history. And so um, I gave him the challenge of really taking this, taking all this information in. And I wanted to see, would it capture his attention? You know, would it capture his imagination? Would he want to continue uh, down this path? And he had to spend a lot of time researching and pondering that. And I'll let him speak to that. Uh, but over time, I remember when it was right before I really needed to do an outline and pitch it to the Brave Dutch, I went back to him and said, listen, you know, I really want to know are you interested in this story? Do you really want to work on this or would you rather go and work on, on something else? And by that time, you know, he, I think he was all in. So Zach, why don't you talk about your experience? Um, you know, and I'd love to hear a little bit about how this real world experience has been different than your college experience. And then I'd like to hear a little bit about how you made that transition from first learning about it and sort of doing it as a job assignment to then letting it capture your imagination and wanting to dig in deeper. Yeah, no. So, I mean, as far as like 
the experience transitioning from school kind of into this is the aspect of like for school you have assignments and so it's like you're given something you have a due date whether you do it a week before or the night before it's got to get done at some point and it's just very like cut and dry this is what it is you sometimes you it's something you're super passionate about sometimes it's something you just have to do because it's school and you got to do it for a grade and so I feel like this was such a cool opportunity because it wasn't like necessarily I wasn't like oh I want I want to do World War II documentaries I have this passion for the Dutch people and this is going to be such a great like opportunity a passion project for me but when Christian sent me the material and I read it, I was just instantly like, okay, so maybe the Dutch people in World War II and John's story are not something I'm super passionate about. But from a filmmaking aspect and a writing aspect, this is a story that's dealing with time. This is a story that's dealing with human resilience from all angles, right? This is a, a man's journey. And I was like, okay, well, these are all story arcs that I'm very interested in so this this gets me interested right away like my brain starts working and I'm thinking of different ways that I would want to tell this story and the more I dug and the more I dug I found it to be a super interesting story from all different angles and every single level and then I just one day I was just like that's all I was I would just wake up it wasn't like oh I need to go and I need to get a little bit of this work done it was just I was waking up and I was just digging into this story and I think that's the, the turning point where I was like okay well I'm in too deep now I have no choice I have to I have to work on this and kind of real quick I want to go back to what Christian was talking about as far and and you kind of were asking this about you know what is my role exactly as a screenwriter this early uh into the story and I think I don't really even look at it as specifically like you would a screenwriter because I feel like I'm almost more of, I'm doing a lot more than that in the sense of like, I'm organizing, I'm I'm trying to piece together the story the best way possible. And then later on, there'll be the actual, you know, because most people I just feel like think of a screenwriter, someone who writes dialogue, but that's not all it is. And I feel like I'm helping shape this story for now and help Christian see a clear path of how, and it could go left, it could go right, but I want her to and us to have answers for if it goes this way well here's how we can steer it back to our complete story that we have and so i kind of feel like that's more of my role right now and then eventually it'll lead more into okay let's write this big speech and oh i remember i highlighted this six months ago and i think this would be a great way to start off the film that stuff will come later but for now it's just organizing and creating a path for the story yeah and i want to pick up with what you're saying there what i love about this collaboration is that Zach's going to pick up different things that I'm going to pick up and he's going to, something will catch his eye or his imagination or he'll have a question about it. And uh, I love that because sometimes he's brought stuff to my attention that just went right by me. Uh, so, so I love that uh, about, you know, what he brings to, to the party. He's also younger, right? He's younger. And um, I'm curious as to, you know, we want to capture that target audience. And so uh, his involvement for me uh, just has been really important um, for those different reasons. It's just that, you know, he thinks differently. He has a different point of view uh, and he's bringing that to the table. And because when he asks me questions, we'll go find out those answers, you know. Well, that that brings another question to mind for you, Christian. I mean, both in the Girl War Freedom and, and, and in the Brave Dutch, you've pretty much had your hand in everything you have the vision that you have to communicate 
to the screenwriter, the editor, the marketing team, or everybody. Uh, and it, it only comes from you. So how do you handle, I've, I have been married to this one idea or this whatever, and then someone comes along and they're like, well, what if we went this way? And you have to be able, if it's a good idea, you have to be able to let go of something, which I imagine would be hard. So how do you deal with that? Great question. Um, it's a push-pull thing for me because sometimes there are ideas that I will not let go of and I have a very strong point of view about it and I'm not going to let it go. And that's how we're going to do it. And Bill will tell you that. Wait, 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 wait. Did you hear that, Zach? Did you hear that? Yeah. If she doesn't <laughs> like it, down. she's not changing, okay? So just <laughs> write that down. All right, Chris, you go. But that, those, that is not the majority of the time for me. Uh, the majority of the time for me is I am a co-collaborator and I love the collaborative process. And that's what I loved about the girl who wore freedom, whether it was in the edit, whether it was with the music or with the sound, um, there was this collaborative fluid movement between the creatives. Um, and I really encourage them all to bring their own stuff to the party. Um, and I think my personal personality is that I really am open that way. Um, I don't want it all to be my point of view and my idea of the story. Um, I really want it to reflect the strong creatives that I have picked. And so that's why I spend time getting to know the people on my team. I meet them in person. I start them off with small little tasks to see how they work and how they gel and um, how they think. And once we establish that rapport and that working relationship, that trust factor is there. When they bring an idea to me or they disagree with me, uh, I'm open to hearing what they have to say. So I think it's only stronger when when we have more people, you know, putting their stones in the soup, let's say. Do you remember that story, Stone Soup? What a great little story. I do. I was just, I was, I was telling, who was I telling that? I wasn't telling you, Jason, was I? I was telling someone that exact story like a week ago. So, <laughs> yeah, well, you're listening to this and you don't know the story about Stone Soup, go look it up. It's a children's book that's really quite brilliant. And that's the way I think about filmmaking. Hadn't even thought about it until this moment. But everybody comes to the party with a big bowl of hot water. They put their stones in the soup and um, it makes this amazing stew. So, uh, you know. Uh, that's that's just the way that I work. Not everybody is like that, but I think in the documentary process, um, you do have to have a leader and somebody that's charting the course, but at the same time, the story's always evolving and you just never know what you're going to get until, until you're done. So. so, Zach, let's shift gears for a minute and just talk about you for a second. You know what, you mentioned you originally had to focus on narrative films, but you like doing documentaries. You know, what are you working on other projects? What types of things would you like to be working on in addition? Yeah, so I, I mean, I just finished probably two weeks ago uh, writing a screenplay that I've been working on for about a year probably from the original idea. And I wrote a version of it, scrapped that, rewrote it. Um, and it's a story about two brothers who take a cross country trip to uh, rekindle their relationship with their criminal father. Uh, and they basically cosplay as two bank robbers. They pretend to be these two bank robbers because that's what their father had did. And it's a journey of these two brothers becoming closer and trying to rekindle a uh, relationship with their exchange father. 
Um, and so it's kind of a action comedy kind of story. And so I worked on that for a while and I, I really enjoyed writing that. And I have a couple of people that sent it out to um, hoping to hear some feedback on that and then move on from there. But right now my focus is on the brave Dutch um, and, and moving forward with that. So I, I guess I'm curious, you know, when you've got a screenplay that's written, what you said you hand it out to a couple of people, what do you do with the screenplay? Yeah, so I have two or three people that I'm very close with who I grad who graduated a couple of years older than me or that I've I've met through the years, uh, and two of them like live out in LA, and they have one of them is represented and has a manager, um, and so I send it to him, get his opinion on pretty much everything that I write. Uh, he's been a great mentor to me, and if he like, I mean, I've written stuff before that he's been like, hey, I think this is really good, like check this out, change this, do this, maybe here's an idea. And then, I mean, he has passed on things to his management and that's really been, I mean, you can obviously enter in competitions and do all of that stuff. But to me, I mean, the connections that I made through school and stuff like that, those are the people that I'm usually, hey, give this a read, tell me what you think. And if they like it, they have connections, they'll pass it along. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yes, Christian, you raise your hand, you may now speak, go ahead. Thanks. So just to, from a director's perspective, um, I'll tell you my experience with screenwriters, and that is that they are everywhere and they are always trying to connect with a director or a producer. So everywhere I've been, film festivals, um, industry parties, uh, just dinner parties, just I've had people email me, uh, you know, script writers or screenwriters are always trying to find somebody to direct their work. And I think it's got to be a very frustrating situation for a writer because they're the creative mind behind, you know, all these different projects. But, you know, directors and producers have their own ideas and, you know, want to do their own projects. And so a screenwriter really is, you know, unless they jump into that directing or producing world, they're waiting around for a partner and somebody to see their vision. And so they are in pitching mode and at film festivals that I've been to, many of them have a screenwriting competition section where you can win awards for your scripts. And so that's what Zach was talking about before. Some choose to go that way, but that's an expensive way because it costs to enter the film festival. Then you have to go to the film festival because really only networking works if you're gonna, you know, if your screen is play is gonna be there. Um, and then you know, they're writing workshops, they have them at Sundance, they have them at all, all of the big film festivals will have these sort of um, writing consortiums and things like that. So a, a writer has many paths to find a way to, to do his work, but um, it's challenging. One of the things I'd love for Zach to talk about is his work-life balance. I mean, you know, he's not getting paid, at least not right now, until we get funded with the Brave Dutch. He's not getting paid for the Brave Dutch. So how's he making his money? Talk about that, Zach, that work-life balance thing. Yeah, no, I mean, it's been it's been an interesting it's been almost two years now since I, I left school. I mean, trying to, I, I bartend is pretty much how I make the most of the most of my money, which obviously was very challenging during 2020 and everything that happened with the pandemic and restaurant restrictions and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I, I've worked at a brewery now for about two years and I bought them there. Um, and it's been, I mean, I have my freedom to write on my own. I have my freedom to do work for Christian and the Brave Dutch. Um, and, but, you know, working for tips, you know, some weekends are busy, some aren't. 
you know, it, it's, it's a struggle. And I've PA'd and I've worked on some commercials here and, you know, bouncing around with stuff. But yeah, it's not the easiest thing ever. And I've, you know, struggled with, you know, is this the best way to do this? You know, when I graduated, a bunch, bunch of people that I went to school with, everyone hopped on a plane, LA, New York, right? I live in Memphis, Tennessee, I, which is neither coast, right? So, you know, they all did that. And I listened to the same people that I was talking about earlier, who I sent my scripts to and stuff, you know, they graduated a couple years older than me. And they, two of them moved out to LA. And they were like, what you want to do right now is write. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, well, you can write from anywhere and LA is expensive and New York is expensive. And you know, what do you see those places? Like, do you feel like you need to be here for X, Y, Z? And I was like, well, right now I just really want to write, build up a resume and then go from there. And they were like, look, you don't, I mean, it's 2021. You don't have to live in LA. We're doing the zoom. We're all in different parts of the country. We could be in different parts of the world. It doesn't matter. I can write a script and send it to people. Luckily I've made some good connections. Um, other ways and stuff like that and also you know i living in memphis memphis does have a very strong upcoming up and coming film community i just went to the memphis indie film festival last week there's some amazing films there's really some great stuff happening here uh and i'm excited to hopefully in the next couple years really be a part of that because right now i'm i can be a bigger fish in a smaller pond than if i go to one of the coasts where it's just i mean like you said christian you go to any party someone's pitching you a script. I mean, that's just all it is. Everyone's going to be, you know, so I, I mean, that was just my choice. Everyone's going to tell you the best way to do something. And, oh, well, the only way you're ever going to make it is if you do this. Or the only way you're going to, well, everyone can do things differently. You know, that's at least how I felt. I mean, yeah, it's been a up and down two years, but, you know, I'm 23 years old, very young, just two years out of school. And I feel like I'm in a good place so far. So I'm happy about the decisions I've made. Well, attitude is a big part of success. And I think you've got a great attitude there, Zach. So Thank you. Thank I don't think anyone's worried about you. So that's good. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately now, you know, a lot of people are finding out LA is expensive and I don't want to live there and I can work from anywhere. And so people are leaving New York and LA and they are moving back to get a settled life. The difference is the networking aspect. And when you are in LA and New York and there are all of these events, uh, you go places and you meet people, at least you should. Yeah. That's how you know you get jobs. But I have had friends who live here in Chicago and even some that live in Nashville or Memphis who um, they live in those places, but they'll go for a week or two out to LA or a week or two out to New York and kind of, you know, mix and mingle during that time and then come back and work from home, particularly if you're a writer. So uh, there are many ways to do a life of a writer. I do think that making connections and if you can volunteering like you're doing here um, is always a good way to break in and get to know people and get some experience under your belt. I mean, do you agree, Zach? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, this has been a great experience for me so far, definitely. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, Christian, uh, we're getting near the end here. Any final questions or should we shift uh, gears? Uh, well, first of all, I want to say we lost Jason Rugg. And so we're sorry about that. I was going to have Jason pop in and uh, ask you some questions from his own. You know, he does a little bit of writing himself. So uh, sadly, we lost him. But Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> one thing I do want to give a shout out to, um, I've mentioned them before, but 
Bob and Janie Miller continue to be, um, you know, an incredible support to all the things we're doing here at Normandy Project. Um, and I just, I, they're just an incredible blessing. And I, I want to say that if there is, if you can ever, if you're listening to this and you're a screenwriter and you have the opportunity for developing relationships, um, you know, with people that are passionate about supporting others. Um, Bob and Janie are very generous. They have philanthropic hearts. They love World War II history, so they're passionate about this subject. Um, and they have been our most consistent and our, um, you know, best donors all throughout this process. Not, you know, not just financially, but also with advice. Uh, they're encouraging and they're wanting to be a part of the Brave Dutch going forward. Um, you know, they recently just supported us again this month. And it's always a surprise to me when a check comes in the mail or when an offer for help comes in the mail. Um, but really without them, I don't know where we would be. And what's great is even though the film, The Girl Who Wore Freedom is done, they've continued to be a support. So Bob and Janie, once again, I just want to give a shout out to you and tell you how much you mean to me and to everything we're doing around here. Uh, and with that, Jason Rugg is back. Jason, I had said that while you were gone, I was sad about that. I wanted to give you an opportunity to ask Zach some questions. Um, okay, sorry. I'm a little bit frazzled and trying to figure out what, <laughs> what happened with my computer. It just suddenly locked up and I could still hear you guys for a little bit, but then it completely shut off. Um, Okay, give me a second. Just get, go back to what you were doing. I really, I really don't think it was the computer. Jason needed a snack, and he just left. <laughs> he was like, "I'm hungry, and I'm not waiting." You think I don't have snacks within arm's reach, Josh? Yeah, but you can't eat in front of us, so no, like, I can't. I'll just well, lean down like this. You can't. Yeah, I'm behind on the mic. I think <laughs> I've done it before. Thought... No one noticed. <laughs> Uh, I was saying, Jason, you know, you do write yourself. Uh, that's something that you really enjoy doing. And you, you know, it's sort of fed your creative um, juices. So I figured you might be able to relate to Zach a little bit. And maybe you have your own writing stories. Uh, yeah, I, I was. Um, the thing that really struck me was I had disqualified myself from ever writing on any of your documentaries for a lot of the similar things Zach was talking about, where it's like, I'm not really interested in uh, making documentaries. I'm not really interested in that sort of thing right off the bat. Um, and so it was really interesting to hear you talk about that, Zach, about how you've been able to like boil it down to the human story behind it. And that's, that's why you can get there. So uh, it's not so much a question as it is an appreciation for um, your willingness to, tackle something that was a little bit outside of what you thought your wheelhouse was and um yeah i'm, I'm excited to see where it goes from there does is that good enough christian do, doing yeah. more <laughs> yeah i mean i think it's great that you i think it's great that you picked that up because you're right i mean the other thing is true about writers and zach i mean you can tell me i'm wrong but uh writers write like words come to them in out of nowhere and that's just how they're built and i only know that a little bit because i wrote the girl who wore freedom and i used to lay there and just ponder the story and i would get phrases and words in my head that just came out of nowhere i'd be washing dishes and something would come into my head and you almost can't not write like it just is bubbling over with ideas and i think uh, at least that was the way it is for me, Zach, you can comment, but 
I do think that it does boil down to no matter what you're writing, you're writing about people and stories and events that, um, you know, that are real and that you care about. And it is all about the emotion and the character of the people, right? I mean, what do you think, Zach? Yeah, I mean, like, this is something that, like, if you're going to sit in front of a computer for seven hours a day and try to write, I mean, it's not some luxurious life. Like, you have to, it has to be something that's inside of you that you have to get out. And so, you know, I mean, I think with, like, this story is just like this journey of this man and this journey of these brave people is just something where I was like, I have to get, like, I have to one figure out this story and why these, how these people have this resilience. And then once I feel like I'm starting to get an understanding of it, I'm like, well, everyone needs to know about this. And I feel like that's kind of the way I felt about it. And so, and you know, that's anytime I have a story that I feel like I want to tell, you know, it's like, well, I, I have to tell it. Yeah. Cool. Well, rock and roll. Well, Zach, thanks for being on our podcast. We're excited to see where this all heads. And I'm sure it'll be an exciting journey for you as things get filmed and new ideas come and so on. So, yeah, uh, Christian. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Christian, uh, want to remind people where to go to learn more? Yeah. So if you want to learn about the girl who wore freedom, go to the girl who wore freedom.com. Uh, there is a donate button there. We are still trying to pay our bills. So if you uh, have it in your heart to make a donation, we certainly love that. Uh, there's a shop there. There are blogs there. There are videos there. So much to, to read or watch on our website. And then we have only started the brave dutch.com so that there's really not anything there yet. You can sign up for our newsletter there. And, um, you know, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Um, and if you're a Patreon supporter, I want to let you know, uh, we're putting some interesting stuff together for our Patreon supporters. One of the things we're going to do coming up, we're going to do a live stream, not just with a certain level of our Patreon supporters, but we're going to do it with everybody. And it's not just going to be where they type and ask questions. It's going to be a Zoom call where we're all talking and engaging. And I want our Patreon supporters to be on the ground level of what's happening with the Brave Dutch. Uh, and I'm going to see them kind of as co-collaborators, really, and uh, ask them, you know, just some of their thoughts and ideas. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And then we're going to start giving our Patreon supporters, um, particularly where the Brave Dutch is concerned, uh, more little videos and extra content that other people aren't getting. So if you're not supporting us on Patreon, you might want to consider doing that. Jason, can you tell them where to go to find us? That's patreon.com forward slash doc first podcast. I think let me double check. <laughs> I think oh, that was, that was great. Doc first podcast. I was right. <laughs> Good job, Jason. Um, and yeah, one I job, did. one job. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let us know your thoughts. You can email me anytime. Christian at normandy stories.com. And um, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. 
Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.